3: taking it to a
1: do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au and whatever podcasting app you choose to use. And don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter at BZETechShow. My name is Kay Weningall and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Laura Perry, And Michael Steindl. Morning, Kay. Good morning. Good morning. Today we're going to be talking to Amandine Dennis, who is head of research at ClimateWorks Australia, an independent research-based non-profit organisation committed to catalysing reductions in greenhouse gas emissions in Australia. She oversees the research and analysis for most ClimateWorks projects, looking at what opportunities exist in Australia to reduce carbon emissions what the associated costs and benefits are, and how we can accelerate their implementation. Prior to joining ClimateWorks, Amandine worked as a management consultant in the McKinsey & Company in Sydney, advising clients on both the public and private sector on a wide range of matters, including strategy, sustainability issues and carbon abatement opportunities, and associated policies. Amandine holds an MBA as well as two Masters of Science. The report today that we'll be discussing is the Climate Works Report, Australia's Energy Productivity Potential. Good morning, Amandine. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to have you here. Amandine,
2: um, how did you actually get into this environmental area? Well, to be honest, it was a bit of an accident. Um, My background is actually in, in aeronautics. Uh, and uh, (laughs) which is not the most sustainable uh, sector um, (laughs) but but very fascinating nonetheless very fascinating exactly Um, and when I joined McKinsey I uh, ended up working on a sustainability project and really became passionate about the topic and um, I saw a documentary which made me feel that this was a very important and urgent issue and decided to make it my career.
1: Good on you that's fantastic to hear that even if you don't have an understanding of it, that you're immediately able to understand the the implications of what we're doing on our planet today, and get in and make a difference, that's that's wonderful to hear. Good story. So, Amanine, let's start at the start of this report. Can you tell us what energy productivity actually means?
2: Uh, well, what energy productivity represents is the economic output that you get for each unit of energy that you put in. So if you want, it's the dollars of GDP that you get for each gigajoules of energy that, uh, that we use.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, That's, that makes sense. Now, just to clarify, the, the report was done last year and that was done prior to the Paris COP talks. Um, there were some Australian government agreements that have changed since then and during the COP talks. Have they made any difference to the essence of your report?
2: Well, what I would say is that it's really reinforced its importance. Um, so we we were looking at uh, how improving energy productivity uh, can benefit Australia, and reducing carbon emissions is a big part of the, of the benefits that you get from this. And what the Paris Agreement did is... Uh, uh, is confirmed that the world is heading towards two degrees or below. So really uh, confirm the intention of the world to move towards a zero-carbon world. And in this context, it will be much more important uh, to improve energy productivity, given that this is expected to deliver the large share uh, of emissions reductions in, in the future.
1: Mm. And in fact, now, you know, with the amazing records that they're achieving with the temperature increases, Two degrees sounds a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? It's, we're looking more at 1.51 or one degree mm-hmm. at, at the moment.
3: As, as necessary target. As, as yes. a necessary, yes. Yes. necessary target.
2: Um, yes. It w- I mean, there's, uh, I'm not a climate scientist, <laughs> I have to disclose, but uh, the evidence suggests that uh, we will see in the future a lot more of the extreme events that we've seen in the last few years, uh, that this is what climate change will look like. Uh, one thing that's important to know, though, is uh, climate scientists estimate that we've already locked in one degree of warming today. Mm. Uh, so if we want to keep global warming below two degrees and if we can below one5 Five degrees, uh, we really need to act fast. Um, the good news is we know how. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. We, yeah. Well, of course, um, this being the BZE show that was recognised by the BZE think tank um, more than 10 years ago, and they started this series of reports to say how we could get to zero and then beyond, the beyond zero emissions. Um, Amandine, your, your report on Australia's energy productivity potential says we could basically double our energy productivity by the year 2030, so double the the, um, economic benefit we get out of um, a given input of energy by 2030. Where would we, where's the potential to improve that energy productivity potential?
2: Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of things that we can do. The first thing would be to reduce our energy wastage. Uh, So it's not necessarily that we waste consciously, uh, but there's a lot of areas in our economy, in our homes, in the um, industrial plants and so on, where uh, energy is used that's not actually contributing to the economic output. So the first step would be to reduce this energy wastage. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, it's things like um, ensuring that equipment is not running When it's not being used, or capturing leaks of uh, heat or steam or other things, and so on and so forth. So there's already a fair amount of potential to uh, to improve energy production. Basically, straight efficiency measures. Yes, straight efficiency measures. Uh, Talking about the industrial and commercial
1: sector rather than residential. uh,
2: Uh, So it's it's everywhere. Yeah, exactly. It's the in in a home. This could correspond, for example, to leaving your lights on when you're not in a room or something like that. So, or having uh, you know a. Uh, hot water system that's too large for, for your needs, things like that. So um, there's opportunities, I'd say, in every sector uh, to really uh, improve the efficiency of your energy use. Uh, another key element is to take better advantage of new technologies. Uh, there's a lot of really exciting advances that are being made on energy equipment and you know renewable energy and so on and so forth. Uh, that we can, and we can accelerate the uptake of those technologies and uh, support the more modernization of our energy system towards a more efficient one. Uh, so technologies such as um, uh, high, effi- uh, highly efficient equipment. So in homes, for example, there's been great progress in heat pumps uh, mm. that can really improve the efficiency of your, uh, your heating or cooling. Um, or in uh, industrial context, you you have also uh, a lot of new equipments like very efficient boilers or things like that. Uh, But also in the data management. Uh, So this is a very exciting area where um, companies have found a lot of uh, potential to improve their energy use simply by looking at uh, how they're using their energy today and why is this piece of equipment using more than this other piece of equipment and so on and so forth. So um, the uh, IT revolution is having a big uh, a big impact on the energy space as well. And technologies such as electric vehicles uh, can also in the future really improve the efficiency of our Uh, Of our cars and things like that, and of course the renewable energy uh, and solar PV um, in the in the supply side are also going to be able to contribute uh, tremendously to improving our energy productivity overall.
1: I notice um, there's not just uh, electric cars now; there's electric buses, electric mining trucks. um, Just everything's electrified, isn't it? So it could actually have a massive impact throughout every industry.
2: Uh, yes, exactly. So electrification is a, is an exciting opportunity because uh, it can contribute to energy productivity, but also to helping with the transition to a low carbon future. So while it's a bit hard today to make zero emissions, uh, oil or gas, uh, we, we can, uh, but in limited uh, proportions, uh, it is actually, we know how to create zero emissions electricity. So a key part of transitioning to a low carbon future will be to use electricity more and more uh, to support our energy needs. Um, And as you said, there's a lot of new technologies being looked at today, which are uh, in some cases already profitable or will be profitable in the near future. One important thing to remember is electrification is only contributing to improving our energy productivity And reducing our emissions uh, if the the supply of this electricity comes from uh, an efficient and clean source. Uh, Mm -hmm. So at the moment, uh, it takes three or four units of fossil fuels to generate one unit of electricity. Uh, so that uh, it's it's not necessarily improving, reducing the total amount of energy that goes into our economy if we, if we shift from gas use to electricity use. However, with renewables, um, this is opening the door for uh, electricity, which uh, the, the accounting mechanism is to count one unit of renewable links, uh, leads to one unit of electricity, and it is a non-limited source of energy. Mm. Uh, so then shifting from from using gas to electricity can really uh, lead to a lot of benefits. Mm. Mm.
3: Your, Amandine, your, your report talks about a gap between Australia and other countries, in fact I think the figure for Australia in 2012 was something like 26 cents per megajoule of primary energy, um, the USA is marginally better 27 cents, and the UK is a lot better at 41 cents. And the US, uh, you say in your report, actually has targets to, to go uh, double what they are, to 51 cents. Um, where's, where's Australia sitting in this? Uh, if on our current trajectory, it looks like we're terrible. Even with the new trajectory, we'll still be behind, won't we?
2: Uh, Yeah, so Australia at the moment is quite, as you said, quite comparable to the US and in front of China and so on. But the risk is really uh, in terms of the trends and the trajectories in the future. Um, So the US has adopted a target to double its energy productivity between 2011 and 2030. Um, And this is driven by a number of factors, in particular for them, energy security uh, and uh, reducing their their imports of... um, of So if they can do
3: more with... so that on. energy they've got yeah. in house, then they they're much less exposed.
2: Yeah, and China is also uh, showing very strong uh, improvement trends in the last few years, driven by the modernization of a lot of their uh, energy systems. While Australia, on the other hand, uh, is only expected to see uh, limited improvement um, to to 2030 if we continue on on current trends and if we look at the government um, the government projections. Um, um, so, the, what, what we found, though, is that you could actually double, uh, so have mm-hmm. a similar target to what the US is, um, uh, has uh, uh, validated uh, for Australia, and that this doubling would uh, would keep Australia keep much change. more aligned with, with the some measures of the proposed
3: other in your report. Yes. Or,
0: or the, yep. mm. And so, if we were to double and try and achieve this by 2030, um, given that improvements in energy productivity result from both energy consumption and supply, um, where do we sort of, how would we see Australia take on this?
2: Well, I guess one of the key insights from our research is that there's no silver bullet. If we want to transition to a low carbon world, we need to improve on on a lot of different size, uh, sides. Um, so one of our other reports, um, Deep Decarbonization Pathways to 2050, um, looked at decarbonisation on four pillars, energy efficiency, Low carbon electricity, uh, shift to uh, low carbon fuels and electrification, and then non-energy emissions. And we can't achieve the transition to net zero emissions without doing all of this. And what we find uh, in this report and in other things is actually if you do energy efficiency at the same time as you do renewable energy, then you do have a lot of benefits uh, from, from combining the two. In particular, the cost savings that you can achieve from energy efficiency can help you um, pay for some of the additional costs of the renewable uh, the renewable energy. And typically we find that householders would be better off uh, after this full transition mm-hmm. uh, than before with lower energy costs overall. Right.
0: Okay. So these are like the driving factors um, of our ability to achieve this. And so the relative contribution of each of these factors um, shows that Um, all factors have a role to play and that energy efficiency in particular um, can deliver over half of the potential improvements. Um, Can you expand on
2: that and tell us where would the other half come in? Yes, sure. Um, So broadly, um, the contributors to improving energy productivity are about two-thirds on the demand side, so what what we call the demand side, which is the end users of energy, and about one-third on the supply side. Mm -hmm. So it's your electricity generation, and um, and so on and so forth. Uh, so on the demand side, energy efficiency constitutes the lion's share. As you said, 50% out of two thirds. The other elements that go into this are uh, electrification. So we've talked about this um, earlier. A lot of times, um, new technologies that allow you to shift from gas or oil use to electricity are <laughs> uh, also offering efficiency improvement. So electric cars um, consume about three times less uh, energy, I think three or four times mm-hmm. less energy than um, than your typical uh, vehicles today. Uh, heat pumps uh, typically also consume a lot less energy than your gas heaters and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So electrification can complement uh, energy efficiency in um, in this two thirds of the pie. There's another element which we call structural change and which is something that typically you don't really control but just happens in the economy. Uh, So it's, um, it's, uh, for example, uh, the the fact that you get uh, uh, change uh, is changing structure to economy, the share that industry and mining Mm. represent out of your total uh, GDP and things like that. And we found that the different elements in structural change tend to uh, compensate each other. Mm. Um, On the supply side, uh, the The main uh, opportunity corresponds to improving your energy conversion. so I was mentioning that before uh, with fossil fuels it's you typically need three or four uh, let's say units of coal to get one unit of electricity. If you use more efficient technologies, um, like uh, very efficient gas generation or renewable uh, energy, then you can really improve this conversion rate, and also you can reduce your losses in the distribution and transmission. For example, if you've got a solar panel on your roof, then you don't lose any electricity uh, on the on the during the transport of the electricity. Mm, absolutely.
0: Okay. Um, for those of you that have just joined us, uh, you're listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions show, and we're talking with Amadeen Dennis. Uh, from Climate Works and we're just discussing her new report uh, on Australia's energy productivity potential.
1: Hey, and um, and Armandine, how do you um, use this report um, to capture the potential for change? Are you submitting that to the government? Has the government got um, a process underway at the moment for evaluating
2: this? Uh, so sure, so the the government um, actually approved recently a, a target to improve its energy oh, productivity. It has a target. Yeah. <laughs> it does have a target, uh, which is a... A forty percent improvement target. So it's on a slightly different reference. So it corresponds to about half of the potential that that we identified. Um, so the uh, part of what we do is to brief the government on what is possible, and um, and highlight the areas which need uh, more intervention um, in in the short term. Uh, so they are currently. It's it's very early stages for the the plan and the. Uh, into the initiatives that they want to set in place to support the target so we are uh, talking we, we are informing them on what we think is most important uh, the other part is um, that we obviously would like uh, to achieve more than the government target uh, so there we are trying to build momentum in certain areas to show to the government that we can be more ambitious uh, and that the the country can do better so that's working with uh, businesses or with investors and so on to uh, to try and get um, a strong momentum in the short term uh, that that can support uh, ambitious action in the longer term, which actually leads me
1: to another report that you did, and um, you recent more recently than this report that we've just been discussing, have a report on how increasing energy productivity can improve your investment performance. Can you tell us about that and? what the implications of that report are.
2: Sure. Um, So the idea behind this report was to help investors have constructive conversations with industrial companies on energy productivity. Uh, So typically this is an area which uh, is a bit technical and a bit hard to understand for them. So we created this guide uh, that walks them through uh, the process to understand what is the performance of a company on energy productivity if they look at one company in their portfolio, how can it improve its performance and what's the value at stake uh, and what we found consistently through our research is that uh, in, in even in very energy-intensive sectors, leaders perform much better than laggards. Uh, so typically, they consume two to five times less energy to create the same volume of production. And we also found that the financial value of this gap in energy productivity is very significant. Uh, about a third of the companies that we looked at could improve their profit margins by 5% from just one year of of energy efficiency implementation. Mm. Um, So if you think about that over the course of five years, because energy efficiency is typically something you can do over time, uh, that corresponds to increasing your profit margins by 25%. So Mm. it's very material. So we're trying to Mm. raise awareness about the uh, potential for energy productivity improvement, as well as increased transparency on companies' uh, performance uh, and provide tools for investors and others to get engaged on this topic.
1: Mm. And I understand at the moment it's all voluntary. The information the companies are passing on to you.
2: Yes, <laughs> and this is uh, this is definitely a challenge in the sense that. Um not that many companies um, decide to provide the information, and then the quality of the information is also uh, sometimes is also often lower than uh, when it is uh, something that is audited um, in detail and so on and so forth. So uh, this is definitely something that we uh, feel strongly about. We we would like. Uh, companies and others to, uh, to to provide better information and better data so that we we get a better understanding of really where we stand and how much uh, potential is at stake.
3: Mm. So on, on that um, issue of the companies, which ones are willing to engage in this um, and which ones are able to make the most improvements that have you found in this second report that Kay mentioned?
2: Um well, we, found that we find that um, a lot of the times energy productivity performance is linked to internal practices in mm-hmm. companies. So uh, you do have good performing and bad performing companies in pretty much any kind of sectors and external factors cannot explain all of the differences between, uh, between companies. But if you do have a senior management that is highly engaged on this topic, uh, that understands that there's significant financial value and also that is a it is a, a key opportunity to build resilience uh, in a world where we're transitioning to a low carbon future yeah. uh, then you're more likely to see uh, to see strong efforts and if you have a culture within um, the company like from the senior management to the uh, to the staff on the ground that supports improvement in energy productivity uh, and reduction in carbon emissions then you're likely to find a lot more cheap opportunities mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and to find uh, and to implement a lot more of them as well so yeah culture and senior management leadership are definitely very important as well as having the proper resources so having dedicated staff having the right data systems and so on and so forth
3: and you found examples of companies doing that
2: yes so in in most sectors you do find companies that are investing um, resources and time into this because they they do find that it, it is delivering value for them Um, there tends to be a preference in a lot of uh, businesses for revenue raising activities. But the benefit of improving energy efficiency in particular is that it reduces your cost, which goes straight into extra profits. Whereas if you raise your revenue, you also raise your costs and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, so it, it raises your profits and it improves your competitiveness and it improves your resilience. So there's a lot of benefits to that. And some companies, some, some smart companies are mm-hmm. taking advantage of this. Mm.
3: So, So have you an insight into what's driving this or how to drive it. Obviously your whole career is, is um, doing work to try and make this happen. Have you isolated factors that um, have triggered companies to do it on their own? Have you found people taking up your report? Is it is it um, causing acceleration of this?
2: Um, so yeah I, I'd say some of the key things are some of the factors I mentioned so how engaged is senior management mm-hmm. on this uh, but how what many causes resources? That engagement do you yeah know? so what we have found in Australia for example is that there's been a lot of improvement in the last few years and this was driven by a combination of factors increases in energy prices mm-hmm. that um, made this issue a bit more uh, visible, <laughs> visible. Mm-hmm. Um, then and then government programs as well so uh, the there was an Energy efficiency opportunities program uh Mm -hmm. pretty much program that forced companies to report on these issues uh and but also meant that they were allocating staff to this as well as investing in data systems Mm -hmm. and also uh discussions that we had in the past few years of carbon prices and other uh carbon policies which meant that um reducing emissions was uh, was more visible as well. Uh, so these type of factors have driven improvements in the past. and in the future uh, we are looking at uh, trying to you know get investors more engaged as well. So a lot of investors um, have committed to reducing the emissions in their portfolio, and this is a really easy first step for them to look at. So uh, energy productivity improvement can both reduce emissions and uh, deliver financial benefits. Mm. So getting investors on the side, improving transparency on companies' performance, uh, which will increase accountability, yep. uh, and then also uh, making sure that companies have access to the right resources uh, to, to be able to do it. So have enough you know, staff, information systems, and so on and so forth, uh, and can share uh, best practice, especially for the smaller end of town. Uh, mm. That's going to be quite mm. important. Would
1: that come from the government, that sort of information? Or would you provide that, w- Would your report provide that sort of information as well?
2: You, you'd hope that it would be a combination. Um, it's uh, so the the government uh, and it national energy productivity plan includes initiatives that would potentially go uh, go that way. Uh, so it's still at early stages and they're still finalizing it. Um, uh, but they're looking at initiatives such as in improving information uh, and support for SMEs uh, as well as facilitating financing. And it, they want to look into benchmarking and um, success factors and a few things like that. So there's a number of initiatives that they're looking at that could help.
3: Amandine, I um, we are nearly out of time. Uh- this is fantastic work that you and Climate Works are doing, but I must say as I read it, I actually found it wasn't as radical as I would like, that you're talking about, for example, dollars per unit energy, um, but not... And, and the report, to its credit, explicitly says that it's basically fairly conservative. Um, but you haven't considered other factors in that, um, say, change to renewables. And I also found some of the projections were seem to me to be incredibly conservative about the rate of um, transferring for, to electrification of vehicles and so on. Um, I suspect in your preparing the report all, all these thoughts would have come to you. Are, are you able to make any comment on um, whether you regard the report as fairly conservative or um, other factors that, that aren't in here?
2: Uh, sure. So, um, everything that's in this is actually aligned with our Deep Decarbonization Pathways uh, mm-hmm. project, which achieves net zero emissions by 2050 in Australia. 2050. In, by 2050. Yeah. And, but, um, that in
3: itself, I regard as an incredibly... Conservative or dangerous figure that we really need to do it. Thirty years. Yeah. Earlier. So
2: so it's uh, it's pretty much aligned with the climate change authorities uh, carbon budget. So the way I typically describe um, what we did is it's conservatively ambitious. Uh, <laughs> so we do um, we do meet the Australian carbon budget, but part of what we wanted to do was show that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we didn't want to have uh, assumptions in there that could be attacked too easily mm-hmm. uh, what we hope though is that uh, in real life you would have more technological progress you would have more uh, behavior change you would have more things that would actually enable you to, yep. uh, to do this transition faster or, uh, or steeper and that will be particularly needed if we continue in the next few years at the, at the so level yeah, of action yeah. that we, that we yeah. have today And
1: that makes sense to me too. Hasten slowly and make it happen. So we're just out of time now. Thank you so much for your time today, Amandine. It was fantastic and really great information. Can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about this and the report itself perhaps?
2: Sure. So they can visit our website on climateworksaustralia.org. And if they look at our projects, uh, there will be um, an item there that says energy productivity potential for Australia. And there's another item that talks about the energy productivity index for companies report, which looks at the investors side. Fantastic. Thanks, thanks so much for Thank joining you. us. The Beyond, the Beyond Zero, Zero show is brought to you
1: by the, the Climate technology. Change Solutions Think Tank, Beyond Zero Emissions. And if you want to listen to this show or any of the others we have done, then you can go to the www.bze.org.au and click on podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at Show. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week.
3: Did you miss the latest episode of your favourite 3CR show? Visit 3CR's new improved website.
0: Now you can listen to the latest episode of almost every 3CR show with one click including music, arts, community languages, current affairs and more. No need to podcast, no need to download.
3: Visit 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. Then go to your favourite program's page to listen.